This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Sound Mind Investing. For more than 30 years, do-it-yourself investors have relied on SMI for proven strategies and trustworthy guidance. SMI helps people build wealth so they can provide for their families, prepare for the future, and give generously. Learn more at soundmindinvesting.org. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I am Rob West. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 encourages us to be patient in trials of all kinds, including our investments. If patience is a virtue, how do we apply that to our portfolios? I'll talk about it today with Mark Biller, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, our guest, Mark Biller, is executive editor at Sound Mind Investing. And if there was ever a time for Sound Mind Investing, it's now with all of the ups and downs on Wall Street. Mark, great to have you back with us. Hey, thanks, Rob. Good to be back with you. Mark, we're getting calls every day, as you might imagine, from folks who are despondent about the losses they've suffered over the past year. So maybe we could begin with some encouragement that you could share with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first, Rob, I'd remind them that time is on the side of the long-term investor. This has always been the case. It was true after the dreadful losses after the 2008 financial crisis, it was true after the COVID shock a couple years ago when the market fell 35% really, really fast. Yeah. And it's still true after last year's losses. And that's true even if this bear market isn't quite over yet. Nobody knows yes. at this point. And then, you know, I try to encourage them with the fact that the U.S. stock market has been remarkably resilient. A portfolio divided 50-50 between large and small company stocks has returned about 11% per year over the last 95 years. And if you think about everything the market's been through in that time, the Great Depression, a world war, and so on, that's pretty remarkable. That really is remarkable and very encouraging, I think, for our listeners. Uh, Of course, that doesn't tell us what the return will be this year, though. Yeah, no, it certainly doesn't. (laughs) And that average obscures some wild rides along the way. You know, we've had 12-month periods where losses were as horrifying as 69%, gains were as breathtaking as 240%, and not coincidentally, those two extremes actually happened back-to-back in 1932 and 33. Um, When we look at the data, Rob, it's been very uncommon, actually, for stocks to return close to that 11% average in any particular year. Only about 5% of all of the 12-month periods over the last century or so have been within 1% of that 11% average. And what that means is it's perfectly normal for the stock market's returns to be all over the place from year to year. Despite that, again, time is on the side of the long-term investor. The longer you're willing to keep your money in the market, the greater your likelihood of success. 
Well, and I'll add to that, patience is on the side of the long-term investor, too. And you write about all this in a recent article at soundmindinvesting.org entitled Market Probabilities, What the Past Suggests About the Future. Uh, You have a really helpful chart that, unfortunately, we can't show on the radio, but maybe you can give us a mental picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd encourage listeners to check this out for themselves, too. The chart is real helpful to look at. But it shows that if you'd randomly picked any 12-month period from 1926 to 2022 to own stocks, you'd have had a 74% chance of making money. Now, the chart shows these types of probabilities for holding periods of one year, two years, all the way out to 10 years. And that's where the numbers are really reassuring. When you get out to five-year holding periods, losses happen only 11% of the time. In other words, if you hold your stocks for at least five years, historically, the likelihood of making money was 89%. Now, the chart also shows that as your holding period lengthens, the real large gains and losses gradually disappear as the market moves closer to that long-term historical average. And by the time you get out to holding periods of eight to 10 years, the likelihood of losing money historically has happened just two to 3% of the time. Yeah, really helpful. Well, Mark, we're going to continue to unpack this today. We'll talk about the role of diversification, whether you should ever get out of the market or everyone should just stay in automatically, and when you need a financial advisor. Mark Biller, executive editor at SoundMind Investing with us today. You can learn more at soundmindinvesting.org, including reading the article we're talking about, Market Probabilities, What the Past Suggests About the Future. Stay with us. Much more to come just around the corner. As a faithful listener of this program, you know that there's life-changing financial wisdom in God's Word. And FaithFi is here to help you and millions of others learn to be good and faithful stewards. As a nonprofit organization, we rely on help from monthly FaithFi patrons, supporters of this mission, to help us continue and expand our outreach. Has God provided financial answers for you through this ministry? If so, consider becoming a monthly FaithFi patron. Visit faithfi.com and click Give. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm talking today with my good friend Mark Biller, executive editor at Sound Mind Investing and underwriter of this program. And we're talking about a helpful article they just published at soundmindinvesting.org titled Market Probabilities, What the Past Suggests About the Future. You need to check it out, a really helpful chart that you'll see, among other things, as you just said before the break, Mark, shows that uh, if you look at any five-year holding period, losses only occurred 11% of the time, which is really just fascinating. And it's really helpful to us, especially in a market like this. Now, of course, this assumes certain things like your portfolio portfolio being properly diversified, right? 
Yeah, very much so. You know, this study reinforces the importance of diversification, although it's fair to say we were using a really simple diversification model. Um, Now, we note in the article that the S&P 500 index, which is really a measure of large company stock performance, did have a negative 1.4% return over the 10-year period that ended with the financial crisis in 2008. But as an example of this diversification, if we just diversify that portfolio by splitting it evenly between large and small company stocks, that 10-year loss flips to a small gain. So, you know, one of the main points of this article and the chart we're talking about is to show how volatile stock market returns can be over the short term, but how that volatility rapidly diminishes as you stretch out your time horizon. So short-term returns, very unpredictable, but they become much more predictable the longer you can extend your time horizon. And that's why we've always recommended at least a five-year time frame as a minimum for investing in the stock market. Really, 10 years is what we prefer to see. You know, you can't guarantee that you're going to have a positive return investing in stocks over any given five- or 10-year period. But historically, the odds of success are pretty good with those longer periods. Yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, So someone with at least a five-year investment horizon should stay in the market? Yeah, so I have to be a little nuanced here, Rob, because as (laughs) you know, our SMI strategies do occasionally have our members sell and shift to cash. We started raising cash at the end of January a year ago, and we still have a pretty large cash position today. So I'm not necessarily saying that today is the great buying opportunity for someone who has cash on hand. Sure. But what I will say is that all the research suggests that most individual investors do a poor job of trying to time the market on their own. And most people who do that end up hurting their long-term results. So for someone who's not following along with a really disciplined mechanical strategy like we're using at SMI, but they do have a five-year time horizon and they're contributing every month to their 401k, I would answer your question, yes, they should probably just keep making those contributions and count on the market to bounce back from any further damage that might be in store before they reach the end of that five-year time horizon. You know, this article we've been discussing today, again, says that historically, that person has an 89% chance of making money in stocks over a five-year time period. And that's really the argument for continuing to just dollar cost average right through a bear market like this. Yeah, that's really helpful. Now, you talked about the importance of diversification, small companies, large companies, uh, but it can get confusing for some folks. So, uh, Mark, what are some simple ways to diversify our investments? Yeah, it definitely can get confusing because you can basically just keep diversifying further and further. And the good news, which we try to kind of allude to in this article, is you don't have to make it overly complicated. Right. You know, there are some things that I don't love about target date funds, which are the default option in most 401k plans. Yeah. But one thing they do really well is they automate that diversification process for you, um, splitting your your investments between stocks and bonds of different types and then mechanically adjusting that over time. 
Now, if you're doing this diversification on your own, the simple rule of thumb used to be subtract your age from 100, and that's the percent you should put in stocks and put the rest in bonds. I think that's a little too conservative given how long people live these days. So I'd suggest maybe subtract your age from 110 or 120, and that's your stock allocation with the rest in bonds. And then you can really just either get a good total market stock and bond index for those pieces, or you can do what we did in the article and just split the stocks more or less evenly between large and small companies, maybe putting 10 or 20% in foreign stocks if you want to. Yeah, I really like that. As long as you keep running that calculation every so often, that will help you gradually make the portfolio less risky as you move closer to retirement. Uh, Mark, not everyone can or wants to do all of this on their own. So what kind of person would you say needs a financial advisor? Yeah, I'd say there are two main groups. You know, one is kind of like you just said, the person who doesn't enjoy financial stuff and doesn't want to do this on their own. You know, chances are that type of person likely isn't going to do a particularly good job with it because they don't like it and it's a chore. So that's one good reason to think about offloading this to an advisor. The second's maybe a little less obvious, but it's actually a primary reason that we hear why a lot of SMI's do-it-yourself newsletter people eventually transition over to using our SMI advisory service. And that's just because they want to ensure their spouse is well cared for after they're gone. So we've had a lot of people tell us they don't mind handling their own investing, but their spouse would just be lost if something happened to them because the spouse hasn't been involved. So they'll come over to work with an SMI advisor to make sure that that transition is smooth really for their spouse's benefit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, that's really helpful. Of course, we recommend that uh, folks seek out a certified kingdom advisor as well if they need help with their investments. And I would interview two or three. You can start that process by just clicking find a CKA when you visit faithfi.com. Mark, any final thoughts as we tie a bow on this today? No, I think it's so easy, Rob, to just get into a really short-term mentality, especially when we get into a bear market. We've had the experience like we've had over the last year. Everything seems very scary and uncertain, and it's really easy to take our eye off the long-term ball. But especially for somebody who's got 10, 20, 30 years ahead of them, it's really important to keep that long-term perspective, and that is – that over time, uh, time does reward the long-term investor. So don't overdo the pessimism on the short-term stuff. Keep your eye on the long-term prize. And that really is probably about 80% of the, the investing game right there. Yeah. And quickly, Mark, if somebody did go to cash because they just couldn't handle it anymore and they're understanding they made a mistake and they want to move back in, assuming they still have the long-term perspective and time horizon, would you recommend they put it in over time? Yeah, I would. You know, I think you can follow along with us and see what we're doing at SMI or just break that into pieces and do it you know, maybe every few months, put a chunk back in. Absolutely. And that resource that Mark mentioned at soundmindinvesting.org can be a great help. Mark, thanks for stopping by. Always my pleasure, Rob. 
Mark's the executive editor at Sound Mind Investing. We'll put a link to the article we talked about in our show notes, or you'll find it at soundmindinvesting.org. Your calls are next. Stick around. What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values? How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. As the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry, Kingdom Advisors serves the public by promoting the integration of a biblical worldview across every aspect of the financial services industry. And we serve a growing network of thousands of Christian financial professionals, equipping and empowering them to carry biblical financial wisdom to their clients, peers, and community. For more information, visit KingdomAdvisors.com. That's KingdomAdvisors.com. God owns it all, therefore we're stewards, so money's a tool to accomplish God's purposes. That's what we talk about on this program each day as we allow the wisdom from God's Word, the timeless, transcendent wisdom and principles to apply to your financial decisions and choices, the things you're thinking about right now related to God's money. We'd love to hear from you today with whatever is on your mind. We've got some lines open and I'm ready to go. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. That's 800 800- 525-7000. Our team is standing by. Uh, let's begin today in Wisconsin. Todd, you'll be our first caller, sir. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was looking into fi- refinancing my home, and um, I kind of went on Credit Karma, and they recommended a few financial companies, but I was just wondering if it's safe to do online and how do you know that these companies are legitimate yeah it's a good question um you know what i would do i mean credit karma is certainly one option lending tree is another uh you will find that these online banks and lenders tend to have better rates and terms and so it's worth shopping around you know because this is the largest transaction most of us will ever have it's important for us to have multiple offers uh, what we find is that on average the, the typical person will only get one uh, lender to weigh in and I think that's a mistake. Uh, A couple of thoughts. Number one is, um, you know, you can look to see, uh, first of all, um, what the rating is of the particular institution. And keep in mind, it's probably going to be sold anyway to another servicer. So it's really, you know, the lender's uh, not a, of a primary concern, uh, as long as they're you know willing to do the deal and and they give you good customer service along the way. You understand, you know the truth in lending disclosure and exactly what it's going to cost you, and they'll work with you on a timely basis. And you know, internet reviews can be a great resource there just to determine that they are going to do what they say they're going to do on a timely basis. But once you get to closing, from that point forward, your servicer can change, uh, and so it's really not a a main concern uh, who the actual lender is that's going to get you to the closing table uh, because that's probably not who you're going to be working with moving.
moving forward. So I think for that reason, certainly if you have an existing banking relationship, you certainly could check with those folks just to see what they're offering. But I would absolutely compare it to at least two other lenders that you would look for online at either a Credit Karma uh, or uh, you could use uh, LendingTree. And I think, you know, as you shop around, you'll find some great options. Let me also encourage you to visit uh, with our friends at Movement Mortgage. This is a a faith-based company that is nationwide, and um, you should at least uh, check them out as well. They're really uh, trying to redefine the mortgage process, and uh, it's all built on biblical principles. If you uh, go to movement.com forward slash faith, you can learn more uh, about Movement Mortgage, and I would certainly put them in the mix as well. Is that helpful? Yes, it is. Okay. Movement.com, you said? Forward slash faith uh, for faith and finance. Yeah, movement.com forward slash faith. But you shop around, Todd, see what you can find, and uh, if we can help you further along the way, sir, uh, let us know. God bless you, and thanks for checking with us today. 800-525-7000 with a few lines open to Fort Lauderdale. Hi, Albert. Go right ahead, sir. Yes. Good evening, uh, Brother Rob West. Um, Myself and my wife is retired, and... uh, for our distribution from our IRA was 5000 in 2022. Interest from our savings was 4000 That's a total of 9000 Social Security, we received between both of us a total of 35000 Now, what is income and what is not? What is taxable and what is not? Sure. Uh, so Social Security is taxable, and a lot of that is uh, going to be determined by uh, your total income. Uh, so, you know, what you will find is that typically when you get above the $32,000 threshold for a married couple, that's where you're going to be taxed on up to 85% of your Social Security benefits. So it is ultimately going to come down to what is your total combined income as to the percentage of your Social Security that will be taxed. So what I would do is check with your uh, CPA or tax preparer just to determine exactly, you know, what percentage of your benefits will be taxable based on your combined income, the the various, uh, you know, sources that you described, plus Social Security on top of that, and they can give you a good idea of of exactly what that's going to be based on the current marginal rates. Do you normally prepare your own return or do you have uh, somebody do that for you? No, I normally have, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, tax, uh, you know, company does it. Sure, sure. Yeah, so between 25000 and 34000 uh, you may have to pay uh, income tax on up to 50% of your benefits. More than thirty five. that's when it goes up to 85%. So it, it sounds like it could be that you're, in fact, below that, and that's what they're describing there because you're staying essentially under the standard deduction with all the income that you have. But uh, always a good idea to check in with your tax preparer just to look at your total situation and determine exactly what you need to be planning for so it doesn't catch you by surprise. Albert, thanks for checking in with us today, sir. 800-525-7000 is the number to call quickly to Lakeland. Hi, Katie. Go right ahead. I've got a question. I bought a Harley last year, and my interest rate that I'm paying is about 11.14 interest rate. My credit score is excellent. I have an 823 on Experian on um, TransUnion at 818, and 
I'm going through the dealership for financing. My question to you is, should I refinance this? Credit Karma says I can get a loan cheaper, and um, it's going to be almost the same entirety to pay off that loan. So I, I'm trying to make the payments, but I'm trying to make them in a shorter amount of time. I can't double up payments because I can't afford it, but I want to at least make the payments that I'm making right now so that way I can continue to tithe and do my due diligence to continue to stay up with my with my budget. Yeah, I would definitely shop around. If you have a high uh, credit score, you know, that's a pretty high rate. Uh, you should be able to get down below 10 for sure on a street bike today, probably nine and a half percent with excellent credit. So the key is going to be the total cost of the interest on your current loan versus the reduced interest plus the cost to refinance. You're just going to have to compare those two. So I'd get two to three lenders involved in competing bids for what you might be able to refinance to. Look at the total cost of the interest on the new loan at the lower rate, add to it the cost of the refinance itself, and compare that to your current load to, to see if it makes sense. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast, but tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you. 